0: ready to expedite your company's organic growth efforts? Sit back, relax, and get ready for your daily dose of search engine optimization wisdom. Here's today's host of the Voices of Search podcast, Tyson Stockton. Hey, what's going on? My name is Tyson from
1: Freevisible.io. And in this episode, we're going to be discussing technical SEO at scale. Joining me today is Chris Reynolds, who is the SEO director at Indeed. Indeed is the number one job site in the world that allows for job seekers to search millions of jobs in more than 60 different countries and 28 different languages. Now, with this topic, I think technical SEO obviously is something that's covered a lot whether it's in different articles, other podcasts, YouTube videos, but I feel like there's a huge differentiation between technical SEO and technical SEO at scale. And in a lot of ways, I feel like the at-scale piece is almost like kind of like playing in the majors. <laughs> it's like those are the big websites and then you get just a layer of complexities that come with technical SEO in those large enterprise websites that you frankly just don't have as many risk or as many concerns on the smaller websites. So I'm excited to dive into this episode. I think we have a great guest here um, for it with his experience on multiple Fortune 500 websites.
0: And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health backlinks and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. So check out hrefs webmaster tools at hrefs.com slash awt. That's a h r e f s dot com slash awt. But
1: well, with that, let's jump into the conversation. Here's my chat with Chris Reynolds, director of SEO at Indeed. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tyson. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah, no, we've crossed paths a few times in the SEO industry, so I'm looking forward to being able to catch up with you. I know from work in the past your technical SEO, your track record and kind of resume of where you've worked has been with some of the larger big player websites. And obviously, like technical SEO has to be a fundamental in the strategy of SEO and the big websites. But what would you kind of call out for the listeners as being either heightened or new challenges doing technical SEO at scale versus just technical SEO on maybe like 1000 page website?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of technical SEO for smaller websites revolves around like running a tool against the site and then finding a checklist of errors that you might want to fix. At scale, it becomes a different challenge because, one, you have to identify the most important issues. And there are always going to be, at any given point in, in the search console, uh, there will always be... You know, dozens of things you could potentially fix, but it's really about finding those things which are most impactful. Um, I remember when I I used to work at uh, as as did you, uh, I used to work uh, at and with eBay. And my first year there, coming from smaller websites, I I said to my boss, "Hey, i have fix this problem that affects like three four thousand pages." And he was like, "That's great, Chris, but it's a complete waste of time. We'll never see the impact of that on the top line." And so you have to really think about what's going to kind of move your primary metric. And then that often means making changes which impact millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of, of URLs at once, uh, whether that's promote, uh, changing certain templates, being able to do things at scale, content at scale, for example. So it's just a different a different mindset. Uh, and I think actually my experience has been hiring people from smaller sites. is It takes a lot of people, and it took me as well, a lot of time to kind of get your head around actually the things that you've done for small websites, they don't really work for for large websites in quite the same way.
1: And I feel like regardless of kind of like where someone's at in their SEO career, it's something that I would say, even, even if it's not your favorite thing, it's something worth doing for a while because of the unique challenge that it serves. Like I feel like doing, working on SEO with a large, significant website It's just going to change the way you look at things because, as you alluded to, you're looking for everything at scale. Like any one-offs aren't going to make a significant impact. Mm -hmm. And so it's only about what's scalable, what's scalable. For maybe someone that's looking to make that transition, whether they recently have or they've been aspiring to work on like a larger website, what advice would you have for an individual that's going from yeah, maybe significant website, but not enterprise size to like one of the major websites?
2: Probably the biggest barrier I see from people moving, moving into these larger websites is actually data science. So you can look at Google Analytics, you can look at Search Console, um, you can just poke through the site and find issues on smaller websites. But when you're looking at, say, hundreds of millions of URLs, for example, it's just impossible to really narrow down a specific issue or set of issues, unless you can go into log file analysis, um, you can maybe uh, Google BigQuery, I would say it's almost becoming an industry standard tool now with the Google search console bulk export. So unless you can go in at the very least, I would say to everyone, unless you can write like a SQL select statement against a data warehouse somewhere and bring back data. So show me all the pages that have a 500 server response code and graph that over time, where the URLs look like this. That's the kind of query that you need to be able to write to pull back data that supports the business cases that you need to to build to fix these things. Because typically, again, in an enterprise site, you know, you're not going into WordPress and just kind of making a fix yourself. You're going to either a product manager or you are a product manager and you are effectively taking up engineering resource and time to get things fixed. And to do those things, you need to be able to identify the big opportunities that are going to make a difference, quantify it. The hard bit for me I, and most people, I think, is then saying, okay, well, what's it worth? So this is our metric, sales, revenue, whatever it might be, and then document that for them. And unless you can do that analysis, that sort of data science to say, okay, of the universe of potential things we could fix, this is the most important one, then you're really going to struggle to sort of build those business cases and get things done.
1: Now, you, you hit on a few areas. I want to I come back to that business case component because obviously like you could have the best idea in the world, but if you can't sell it, you can't get buy-in for it, it's gonna stay on the shelf. But like as far as like the identification and prioritization of issues, like you've mentioned looking for those items that have the biggest impact potential. When you're working on a smaller website, boot up screaming frog, it runs, you're able to look in GA, you know, it, it's kind of like very straightforward with it enterprise like maybe there's limitations of even being able to crawl the pages like how would you recommend people be thinking about approaching the identification and then also like impact potential of findings
2: yeah i mean a few ways so first of all i tend to look at the top line results so for me that's like traffic from search and it's also for me it's job applies in my industry at ebay that was the number of sales and the value of those sales every industry has its own conversion points but traffic and then conversion typically then i'll work back to any kind of exceptions in that data to say oh it looks like this particular market or this page type or this, let's say, query class has changed significantly week on week, what's happened. And if that's a negative change, often that's, you know, a technical SEO thing. So that's someone else has changed the website, there's uh, server issues, whatever it might be. And then from there, start to dig into, again, the top line technical SEO numbers and just try try to see what's going on. So run the common, the way I typically do things is I'll say, okay, here's what's changed. And I'll come up with half a dozen reasonable sending hypotheses to say, what could have caused that? So is it a Google algorithm change? Is it a technical SEO change? Is it a competitor activity? Is it something we've done to our website? And then I'll come up with a bunch of tests that either prove or deny those hypotheses, run those tests, and then effectively use that to kind of come up with a, an answer to what's going on. And oftentimes that's a technical SEO answer. So it's, oh, our sitemaps are returning 500 server response codes now. Google's top are calling outside. site. That's why our results have gone down. All of that is really dependent on your ability to yeah, diagnose technical issues on the site, although I kind of see that as like table stakes. Really, the the more important skill, I think, working enterprise is being able to pull the data and then weave that into a, a kind of coherent narrative that you can explain to other people. So it's like, okay, well, sessions are down, and that's because... We've got a whole bunch of uh, 404s and that's because this linking module was touched by another team and therefore other team, I would like you to revert those changes. And so I I personally think that technical SEO as is in just like going through the site and spotting issues is important and it's foundational, but it's really not enough to build a business case in a sort of enterprise setting.
1: Absolutely. And the piece that you added on also like the net new possibilities I feel like that's also an area of challenge when you're making this jump, because it's like, you could look at a few pages, hey, I have this idea, some form of page enhancement. And it's like, yep, yeah, great idea. Next piece is, mm-hmm. that's impossible to do at scale. Or it's like, because of the nature of the idea. So it's like, it's almost like, too, you have to have this balance of understand what capabilities maybe there already are today or how you would need to add X, Y, and Z capability to do something at scale. But it's like, to me, there's always that piece too of like, okay, does this work then at scale? And it's like, that's where I f- I find, or at least when I've worked with people too, that have like first time working on a larger, you know, million plus page site, they could have great ideas, but there's that challenge of how does that idea become scalable? Mm-hmm.
2: And you get a sense of it over time, like you kind of just intuitively know. But I would say that SEO, all SEOs I ever meet are kind of like dilettantes. I'd say so. They they know SEO obviously, but then they know a little bit of engineering, a little bit of data science, a little bit of information theory, all this kind of stuff. And I think that's that's the right way to go about it because if you have that sort of you're a t shaped individual, to use a cliche, that knows at least a little bit of content generation via generative AI, for example, is very topical, or you understand a little bit of systems design so you understand the difference between running things as a batch job versus running at runtime. Even though as an SEO, you're not the one building the application and you're actually making those changes on the side, at least you have an intuitive sense of whether something's actually going to be possible or not before you start going bothering like engineers or maybe product managers or something with it. Um, so yeah, I'd say every every SEO, particularly at enterprise scale, just needs to have, I would say, obviously deep SEO, a deep data science, but then also just an understanding of As I said, computer science, uh, information theory, artificial intelligence. Now, um, to kind of be able to to say, like, okay, is this a stupid idea? Am I going to be able to do this on like a million pages, or is this something where it's just not practical to scale?
1: Absolutely. And I guess another another piece within that as well is so you found something. There's opportunity for scale, as you touched on earlier in the conversation. There's the business case to it, like the impact potential how does this get prioritized in the catalog of other things that need to be done? Mm -hmm. When it's, you know, a lot of times, and especially in like smaller organizations, you know, some of the SEO requests are going to typically go through like the marketing side. When we're talking in this arena of scale and technical, or more often than talking about it being within the product side of the org, have you found like any significant differences or like, how is it selling an idea or an initiative into the product side of an org and how could that be maybe different than maybe the marketing side or even at a smaller company mm-hmm.
2: well, right now i'm lucky in a sense i have a dedicated engineering team but a lot of the time in the past and, and people in my team actually are in this situation right now where They're not the product manager. They they are a sort of partner with the product manager. And I almost see it as providing kind of a menu of options for the product manager. So product managers ultimately make the decisions what gets built and what's not, and they're accountable for the results. Typically, they'll have um, an OKR, like an objective they need to meet. And the way that I advise uh, my team to to work and the way I've worked in the past is effectively create this menu that says, OK, here's 10 different things we could do as an SEO, based on my data science, based on the analysis I've done and my experience, this is what I expect that to do to your objective. You know, will you, you need to generate GMP for an e-commerce website. I expect to see a 10% uplift in this kind of traffic. It converts at that. and Therefore, I expect this to move your metric by this amount. And then it's really for the PM and the engineers to go away and scope that and say, you know, okay, this is what the, the trade-off is in terms of dev hours that we need to allocate to to achieve this and i also like to kind of add a little bit of a risk factor in as well so sometimes something could be a huge opportunity but it might not work so i tend to discount the upside by the risk that it won't work sometimes like an internal linking project they work in my experience all the time pretty much and so you can be pretty much that's multiplied by one but if you're starting some entirely new page type going after a new query class the site doesn't do already maybe you want to downweight that and say actually there's This could be huge, but there's a chance it won't work. So when you have that risk-adjusted value and then you put it against the scope that the engineers and the the PMs put against it, then the PM has this kind of, at least they can see then what they're getting into, basically. So they have an idea over here that improves conversion. They have an idea over there that improves developer velocity. They have their objective they have to meet, and then they can go into it fully aware of what's going on. And my experience is, as well, is that it's relatively rare that partner channels, two PMs or two engineers will kind of go to that level of depth. So if you go with a really strong, credible business case and you deliver that, oftentimes gets done because most people aren't coming to them with that. They're like, Hey, you know what we should do? We should make the button blue. Whereas if you say, Hey, this is going to contribute 10% of your year annual goals, very strong business case. And also over time as well, as you start to build credibility, you can almost take your foot off the gas a little bit with some of that because they start to believe that what you're saying is going to work and you've become a good working partner.
0: Time for a one minute break to hear from our sponsor previsible. So you're looking for SEO help and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges, or you can work with a cookie cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy less project with low success rate. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. Now,
1: I feel like a lot of the SEOs listening to this are probably just a little envious of hearing that you have a dedicated engineering team.
2: It is awesome. Yeah, it's such a luxury.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's not something... I mean, a lot of SEOs are used to that just scrapping and fighting for every ounce of bandwidth and resources that they can muster. But I feel like the last piece that you said on also coming with that complete information is so true. And maybe it's because not everyone has the experience working with those teams. So, it, you know, there's not familiar with the structure or the level of detail that's required. But I think it's one of the biggest complaints that I hear from SEOs. And oftentimes I would say that there's probably more Like generally speaking, I would say when I hear that problem, I believe that there's already more that the SEOs can do to improve that. And it may not solve the problem. And there could be inherent issues with like the organization that causes that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I think there's always that room of like just what can we do more? What can we do better? What recommendations would you have for what to include? Like you gave some pieces there already, but... If someone's like, hey, I'm not really familiar, I I don't have a lot of experience writing dev tickets, joining grooming sessions, and maybe even like just how product engineering works. But like, what recommendations would you have for someone that's running into that challenge of getting their tickets picked up by a dev team? Sure.
2: So the way I tend to approach it is you sort of go through a period of ideation. So you, for example, you start a new job, move to a new team, whatever it might be. You start to, as I say, dig through the data, see what's working right now, what's not, where the opportunities are, do the SEO stuff. And then I typically throw that into a spreadsheet and I'll say, okay, these are the initiatives. And then for each initiative, I will produce like a product requirements document. And that's typically like a two, three page document that goes through, Like, where are we now? So let's say, for example, you see that there's a huge amount of crawl waste, for example. And you say, where are we now? Okay, well, only Google only actually uh, requests uh, 25% of our pages. And I think that that's suppressing performance because there's some good stuff there that Google just isn't crawling to get indexed. And so you say, okay, this is the situation. This is our objective. This is what we want to achieved by this so we want to reduce that crawl waste by 50 percent and i think i think that's going to be uh worth and this is kind of where there's a bit of voodoo math but you say, i think it's going to be worth like you know 10 percent increase in traffic and therefore downstream conversion metrics and then you would say okay well specifically what are we going to do here what are the requirements for this like some people call it the acceptance criteria but in the context of a, a requirements document i just put uh the i guess a specification and so document specifically what is going to happen because like The more concrete you are, the more people can visualize how it might be done and the better scopes you're going to get from engineers as well. If you just say, like I don't know, improve crawl waste or fix broken links or something, it's quite hard to visualize what's going to go on. But if you say, hey, on these five page types, we have these three modules, which are often linking to zero result pages or low quality pages or whatever, my ask to you is that you prioritize the links by you know value or something, whatever it might be. And then the engineers can look at that and go, oh yes, I see what you mean there. That makes a lot of sense um, and start to kind of do the scoping sort of get some sort of buy-in. And then the other crucial piece is just the measurement of that one. So when you go into the project, you should just be defining some KPIs and say, okay, success for this project looks like, and then that is how you ultimately measure that two, three months down the line when it's all delivered and measured and stuff. Once that's done, as I say, depends on your situation. I've, I've got the luxury. I can just take that spreadsheet to engineers and say, scope this and do this, please. And that's great. Most of the time, including for most of my career, that's not the case. So then you go to a product manager who's kind of the gatekeeper to that, and they say, okay, well, yeah, sure, I get that. Like, that seems like a good return for low risk and low scope. So they pick that up. That will typically then get – typically, I start with an investigation ticket with the engineering team. So they'll say, okay, broadly, we get what you want to do. And then an engineer will spend two or three days breaking that down into all the things that need to be done to actually make that happen. That will form an epic, which will be a sort of self-contained initiative. That gets delivered. So, you know, you sit there in um, stand-ups for 15 minutes every day and then sit there in stand-ups. So you sit there in a stand-up every day and you you basically can answer the questions, whatever it might be as they come up. Sometimes there's plenty of back and forth, maybe some trade-offs to be made, you know, as you go through. And you can answer those as the engineers progress and they find out more about what's involved. And then when that's done, you have a testing period. I personally am a huge fan of A-B testing because it gives you some concrete measurement that you can take back and demonstrate your value once the ab testing is done take that back to the engineers and say congratulations ladies and gentlemen you just gave us you know, another 10 million dollars a year revenue that's great and then cycle continues
0: now you hit
1: on a lot of really critical elements in there and i won't double down on all of them but i think <laughs> the feedback loop piece is a really critical one because you you mentioned earlier that it's like, yeah, the first few times you go through it, you're kind of like proving yourself and you're building that credibility. If you don't have that feedback loop and whether it's in the actual scope of it, having clear KPIs of what success looks like, and then even coming back to the team proactively and saying, hey, we achieved this, this, and this, then it's like, to me, a lot of the front end work is kind of wasted because that seems to be that like, I mean... And rightfully so. It's like engineering dev teams, like it's all made up of people. And I think everyone wants to feel that their work is contributing to something was used in some way. Mm -hmm. So that seems to me, at least from my experience, like a really critical element, but also a really easy one to check off. And another piece of that too, I think we need to be mindful of making sure that the KPIs are as immediately like verifiable as possible. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to a friend and he was kind of really struggling with a linking, like some tickets around like link packs that he wanted updated. And the engineering team was giving him flak because it was just like his KPI was increased traffic. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that's a great KPI for you to have, but that's not really the best one for, at least in my mind, as the only KPI for the engineering team mm-hmm. because after they complete the work, they can't verify if that KPI was hit because it's not going to be immediate. Where it's like if he added things where I'm looking at these, like these are our priority target pages. I want to increase total number of incoming links to these page by X. You have a very clear before and after and it's very quantifiable of like, yep, yeah, we achieved that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even if it's not the ultimate goal, but it just gives that yes, binary ones and zeros, this this checks out. Sure.
2: Yeah. I mean, engineers, again, it depends on the organizational setup. I'm super lucky, again, in the sense that I have a common
1: objective with
2: the engineering team that I partner with. And so it's great. So I can just say, hey, your goal is this, my goal is this, this is going to get us there. And i like, great, that makes sense. But most of the times, again, that's not the case. So the way I typically work is um, by running A-B tests. And again, this is I've seen organizations go back and forth between doing like testing everything. And then sometimes there's this culture of just do the right thing. Obviously this works and then you you do it. And, and there's a place for both, actually. Sometimes you can test yourself into an absolute hole. But if, and again, in the context of a large organization, you're trying to prove your value... A lot of the things that we do as SEOs seems kind of arbitrary to some people. It's like, hey, I want you to link from here to here. And they're like, why? Just trust me, it works. (laughs) Uh, But so if you do an (laughs) AP test, so I'll I'll typically do that between, uh, so Indeed, for example, operates across 60 markets. So it's pretty easy for me to then define tested control markets that have typically exhibit similar performance roll out an an intervention in one market not the others or some markets and not the others and then see the impact there's a a methodology which we use quite a lot called causal impact studies which is effectively the same but sometimes especially if you've just got like say one market and one major page type you care about sometimes some kinds of changes are kind of impossible to quantify so what you can do, what I've done uh, a fair bit indeed, uh, is, is this, this methodology causal impact where, and you kind of need a data science to do this. I don't do this myself. Some SEOs do. I've seen some talks on it. I don't do it myself. But basically, we'll define a synthetic control. So we say, if you've got some seasonal pattern that goes up at the first half of the year, at the, down at the bottom, and you see that repeating for three years, for example, you do your intervention across all segments, all parts of the site and then you look at that kind of counterfactual hypothetical that says like well if we hadn't done this then it would probably have continued in this vein so that's the the line carries on like this but actually look in reality it did this and therefore we think we can ascribe a 5 10% increase to our traffic or whatever because of that so so that's super helpful as well so all of these metrics i as i say i i try to take that back to the engineering team like Key Agile ceremonies, I guess most of your listeners will be aware. obviously, you've got the uh, refinement meetings where you sort of talk through stuff. You've got the uh, sprint planning where work is assigned to the engineers. Stand-ups, obviously. And then the retrospectives is where you. Would, I would personally would typically take this back and say, oh, you know, great work on this this week. Oh, and by the way, that thing you delivered last month, you've uh, just made the company a ton of money, but you're not getting any of it.
1: <laughs> Fair. All right, so the last question I have, and I, I feel like I just can't leave a technical seo at scale conversation without bringing it up and and you touched on it earlier you used the terminology crawl waste on it i would said say like in general the conversation around crawl waste crawl budget efficiency crawl efficiency they're all factors that have a significant higher stakes at the enterprise level Mm -hmm. like for again either those that are in the enterprise space or wanting to get in, what's, like, how do you view that being different at the enterprise level versus a smaller website?
2: So I typically view all of SEO through a, certainly on-site SEO, through the, the lens of, like, an inverted funnel. So there's a sort of a, a demand out there in Google, Bing, and your job as an SEO is to bring that into the site and generate some value from it. So to get that value, you need to have pages in that URLs, um, which meet that intent. So it needs to be an answer to the user's implicit question. So that's the first, that's absolute table stage You need to have pages which meet that intent. Then below that, you need to make sure that Google discovers it. Once Google's discovered it, it needs to request it. So it needs to crawl it. Once it's crawled it, it needs to index it. Once it's indexed it, it needs to rank it for one or more queries. And once it's ranked it, the user needs to click on it. And then typically, there's some sort of conversion event at the end of that as well. Maybe monetized via ads, but usually it's like a purchase or a sign up or something. And so, um, if you think about that funnel from the point of having content to the point of getting value in enterprise SEO, in smaller scale SEO, the tip, of the challenge is typically having the right intent to actually kind of meet those users implicit questions so making doing the keyword research making sure you have the right uh, the pages up there in an enterprise site typically the site itself or the users of that site will generate the content that answers those queries so we mentioned like indeed and ebay i was talking to the seo lead at reddit the other day you know any big social site for example any most many big e-commerce sites it's the users whether that's like buyers or sellers or whether if it's in jobs it's like job advertisers for example will effectively create the content that you need to answer those users implicit questions so that's great and actually it tends to be rather too much because the big issue comes not in discover- discoverability is easy like you can just use sign xml's good internal linking will, will get you to discoverability the, the big issue in enterprise tends to be the crawl and the indexation and so uh, what i spent a lot of time doing actually at indeed is using Moving away from like heuristics, so where we say, oh, to to get uh, a link on a site, it has to be, you know, meet X criteria. So a job search results page has to have like 10 jobs and this many internal searches, 20 internal searches for it to be valuable. I think a more modern approach is to use a machine learning, a regression based approach to say, "Okay, there's a universe out there of content that we could expose to Google and Bing but which one should we expose? And we've had really good results actually uh, by applying this sort of regression based approach where we look at things that describe that page, like the number of internal searches, the number of clicks, a category that falls into any sort of user interaction with that page and say, okay, those are the features which typically describe something which is going to do well in Google. It's going to get lots of SEO sessions. And therefore, those are the ones that we'll prioritize in internal linking. Those are the ones that we'll put into our sitemaps. And everything else we'll take out um, and we'll try and make Google's life as easy as possible by just giving it those pages which we think are likely to be answering external users' queries, if that makes sense.
1: No, that's perfect. And it's a it's an interesting twist to like the piece of using other data sets to essentially get at user demand, like consumer interest, which, you know, same directional piece is what Google is trying to serve. But it's interesting of having that opportunity to, you know, like a smaller website, you're just not going to have enough data to make any meaningful yeah, decisions in the same regard of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also a good illustration that it's like, the tools that you have at your exposure and kind of how you think about whatever problem it is can be shifted a little bit at the scale of enterprise. And the same thing is you might have additional challenges of operating at that larger scale, but you also get the opportunity of having different tools or different things that you can tap into, like assets that you could tap into from SEO that you just frankly, don't have at the smaller website size. Yeah, exactly. It's so nice because
2: like uh, half of the tests I run probably don't work. So they generate no meaningful uplift. But the ones that do, even the ones that do maybe only get, you know, one, two, three, four, five 5% uplift. But that one, two, three, four, five 5% uplift accounts for tens of millions of new users on the site. So you've got a lot of leverage when you do something small. It might take you a long time if there's a lot of like overhead in terms of business cases and backlogs, and all the rest of it. But when you get there, you've got a huge, huge lever to pull. And yeah, it, the absolute numbers just get really large.
1: 100%. Well, with that, that wraps up this episode of the Voice of Search podcast. Thanks again to Chris Reynolds, SEO director at Indeed, for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Chris, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in their show notes or visit his company's website at indeed.com. And if you didn't get a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, just head over to voicesofsearch.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes, contact information for our guests. And you can also send us your topic suggestions or SEO questions or apply to be a guest speaker on the Voice of Search podcast.
0: So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at Ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. You can
1: reach us on social media where the show's handle is at Voices of Search. And you can find me at Tyson underscore Stockton. And if you haven't subscribed yet but want a daily stream of SEO and content marketing, insights in your podcast feed. We're going to publish a new episode every workday. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll show up in your feed in the next business day. With that, thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.